0: So we're in the holiday season. Appropriately, you are in black, Mr. I-Hate-Christmas-and-all-things-festive-and-holiday. Yes, here I am. um, (laughs) Well, I'm looking forward to uh, today's episode. We have a rabbi back with us who is here in April, I believe, sometime back in the spring. We had a a great discussion on Passover, (laughs) and so I thought... It would be really interesting to have him back to talk about Hanukkah because that's something we see a lot of starting to see a lot of now as we get into the holidays and you see all the, the Christmas trees and the jingle bells and all the iconography that go with that you also are seeing uh, menorah and hearing things about Hanukkah as well and I know for a lot of Christians uh, they don't know too much about what Hanukkah is um, so I thought, well, let's have Rabbi on to, to talk about that, and um, I'm looking forward to what he's going to what he, what he is going to say. Rabbi, thank you for coming and being with us again um, for tonight's podcast. Uh, before we get into our conversation, would you take just a minute or two and introduce yourself uh, to people who may be to listening for the first time?
1: Sure. I'm Rabbi Eric Tokajer, and I'm the rabbi, senior rabbi, of Bridon Messianic Synagogue in Pensacola. And I've uh, been a rabbi for closing on 40 years now, I think, or somewhere around there. So, uh, And I met Wes when he was a student, and we've been friends ever since, and I just enjoy doing things like this.
2: Yeah, it's been like 10 years, Rabbi. It's, it's, it's been quite a, quite a while. It's been more than 10 years,
1: I think, It's, been,
2: it's, it's been more than 10. Uh, it still speaks to you. Yeah.
1: And I still talk to you after yeah, all that time. Yeah, it's,
2: it's weird. Not many people do. <laughs> it's a
1: Christmas well, that's because I love your kids.
2: Oh, that's it. <laughs> uh, well, hey, Rabbi, it's really good to have you. Um, and uh, especially just to to pick your brain on, on Hanukkah. And, um, you know... It's not something that that most Christians uh understand or know anything about, so I really just kind of wanted to talk to you about it and you know uh just some we just got some questions for you basically uh yeah
0: well the episodes that he was with us on back in the spring on passover yeah those um were probably my favorites that we've done oh definitely so far I mean those were the ones that I actually sent out to family members said, hey, you need to, to listen to this. Um, because there was just a lot of information in there as a Christian that you go, oh, that makes sense. Right. Um, well, one really quick thing
2: about Rabbi that I wanted to add uh, just for the viewer. He is a Messianic Rabbi, Rabbi, which basically means that he is a Jew that— Believes that the Messiah has come and that Messiah is Jesus, or as he would say, Yeshua.
0: Yes, right. Um, And the phrase that he used in our discussion on Passover was um, the idea, the thought of Christianity being the completion of Judaism. Mm, Yeah, I love that. Um, So then, instead of separate, as we get into uh, the month of December, the holiday season. Is upon mm. us, so all of the all of the signs of Christmas right. are are appearing. But then, you, along with that, you also see um, things like menorahs and the iconography that go with the Hanukkah yeah. holiday. And I know, growing up, whenever I ask about you know, well, what is Hanukkah? The response, very lazy response, was it was, you know, Jewish Christmas. It's Jewish Christmas, yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, no. That's, it's got to be something else. It's got to like, be something else. So I knew after our discussion on Passover, because I mentioned it this to you months ago, I said, let's have him on, and let's talk about Hanukkah. Yeah. Because like you said, that's something that a lot of Christians just don't know anything about, other than what they see, you know, may see on television or... right. On a store shelf somewhere.
1: <laughs> you, you know what's interesting when we talk about Hanukkah is that when it comes to the Bible, the the you know from Genesis through Revelation, uh, the only mention of Hanukkah is actually in the New Testament. That's actually in the Bible. Uh, all of the references to Hanukkah in writings and history. Are external to the canonized Bible in the Jewish scriptures. So the only biblical reference to Hanukkah that we have actually is in the New Testament.
2: Right now, just to just to be clear, because you were talking about um, where where Hanukkah comes from, we'll, we'll we'll get to that in just a second. Yeah. yeah. Well, the reason
1: the, the reason I mentioned that was because of your statement that Christians almost, almost no Christians or many Christians don't know anything about Hanukkah. But it's funny that the only mention in the Bible about Hanukkah is in the Christian part of the book. Sort of. <laughs> That's that, that was the right. reason that I said that. You would think that that Christians, because it's actually in their book, that it would be uh, something that they would be you know, at least a little interested in.
2: Right. Now, in, in most of our American Bibles, you're not going to see the word Hanukkah. Uh, what, what's, the, what's the Scripture reference? I, I think it may be in Mark.
1: It's John chapter
2: 10. Oh, it's John. John 10. Okay. I was thinking Mark 10, so, you know.
1: Yeah, and uh, it says, and Yeshua, or Jesus, was in the temple on the Feast of Dedication, is what most Bibles will say uh, where it is. But dedication, the word for dedication is Chanuk, which is where we get Hanukkah from. Yeah. So that he was actually in the temple on Hanukkah if we were reading that the way it would have been understood by the people it was being written to at the time.
2: So, uh, just a second ago, you mentioned Hanukkah, and you mentioned that it was in... It, it's not necessarily in the Bible, like the, you know, what happened? Why do we have this feast? Like, it, it's not in our canonized Bible. It's actually in um, what some call the Apocrypha. Uh, now, this does not mean that the stories in there are false, they're just not canoned to be scripture. Um, Could you actually explain that, uh, Rabbi? That'd be great.
1: Yeah, I think you did a pretty good job. This Actually, Hanukkah is mentioned in Maccabees, and the book of Maccabees were not canonized, although they are accepted as historically accurate, or at least reasonably historically accurate. So there are a lot of books that we have uh, from the time period of uh, Yeshua before him, and so on. That are not Bible, but they are books, and they were written by real people who experienced things. For instance, Josephus and Philo, and others that we have that were historians that wrote what was going on. But not all history is Bible. Right. But all, but all you know, Bible happened in history. So exactly. When we look at these things, we we can look and say, well, is this true? Uh, sure. But is it Bible? No, and and those are two different things.
2: Okay, so uh, Rabbi, if you could just kind of explain to us, uh, you, know, you you said that Hanukkah come, we see it in uh, Maccabees, but what's the story, and then why do you why do you celebrate that feast?
1: Okay, well, the history—it's so funny to me because one of the comments that was made earlier was that many. Christians or secular people believe that Hanukkah is just the Jewish Christmas. <laughs> uh, when in actuality, what Hanukkah is about is a civil war that took place in Judea uh, when the there were the the Israel was taken over by Alexander the Great, and then Judea became part of the Ptolemaic kingdom, and and all that goes on. And we see Antiochus Epiphany come to power. He puts a kibosh on. Uh, Judaism. He's trying to, what's to a settle. Uh, I'm sorry. That's now a word fine? you guys. Is that Jewish. Yiddish
2: or is that Hebrew? Is he,
1: yeah, it, it's a Yiddish <laughs> term, but it means he. He's kind of putting the damper on. Uh, you know, they're trying to control religion and what's going on and and all that's happening in Israel. The Jewish people, many of them, become what are known as Hellenized Jews. And uh, if you go to Jerusalem, you can see these mansions of these very wealthy Jews who had very Greek, very Roman homes, but they also had Jewish baptism tanks called uh, mikveh uh, in them. And so they were very Hellenized or worldly in the Greek and participated in the theater, in the races, in all the Greek culture but they also held on to some of their Judaism. So they were very assimilated into the culture. Uh, And in the process of that, there were those Jews that said, no, we're not supposed to assimilate. We're not supposed to become like the people around us. God called us to be separate, to be holy, to be different. And so it ends up where there's this battle between this group of Jews uh, who did not want to assimilate into Roman Greek, uh, Greek culture, and the Jews that did assimilate, and the uh, the Romans at the uh, at the same time, the the Greeks at the same time that were fighting against them, not Romans, the Greeks. So all that happens in uh, in this like civil war that's going on over um, assimilation, over being worldly, which is why I said it was kind of funny that people think of uh, Hanukkah as the Jewish Christmas, because ultimately that would be the chief. Form of assimilating is taking a holiday that's about not becoming like the world or like the rest of the world, which Christmas. And again, when I'm saying that, I'm talking about the world celebrating Christmas, right. not Christmas being worldly. We can have that conversation another time. But uh, <laughs> the, the world would, you know, would be celebrating Christmas today, the largely, and the Jews would be celebrating something else. But Hanukkah has very much become a time of gifts and presents and things just like Christmas has, unfortunately, which also assimilated into uh, doing those things. From the original intent, where this intent was that we were celebrating the victory of a small group of warriors against the greatest army of the day, uh, they drove them back, they get the temple, they rededicate the temple, they clean it uh, according to the legend that we find in the Talmud. They come in, they find one cruise of oil. That cruise of oil uh, would have only lasted one day. It ends up lasting eight days, which is the amount of time it takes to produce oil so that they would have more oil. Uh, and so that's why we celebrate Hanukkah for eight days and light candles, and it become the festival of lights. But it's, it's really the celebration of victory over assimilation. Uh, and people who are standing up for the Bible for doing things God's way against the culture— uh, which makes it one of the most relevant festivals for us today because as believers, we're in that same battle right now uh, against the culture, and we have entire denominations that are splitting because some want to go with the biblical uh, values and biblical lifestyle and all that, and others are willing to assimilate into society and the culture of today.
0: Yeah, that's that's awesome. As he was... Um explaining that and talking about the group that wanted to assimilate and the group that didn't, I was sitting here thinking that sounds a whole lot like the church today. (laughs) Yeah, it does. (laughs)
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's amazing. This is like, this whole thing circles around every so many years as the church becomes more worldly. And then somebody rises up and says, no, we're not going to do that. As a matter of fact, in a real way, the United States, is founded by people who refused to assimilate into a governmental church and wanted to have a church that was just, God was the government. right? And so all that happens together. So, so we see this same fight against assimilation happening over and over and over. And again, the United States, it's interesting when we think about that the United States was really very much like the army of Israel in the way that it was a much smaller army not as well-equipped, fighting against the greatest army of the day, and they win. Uh, and that army, that battle, again, is against assimilating into a government faith uh, and having the freedom to worship as they want to.
2: Right. Well, it was it was essentially the Greeks—so you, you mentioned Hellenized Jews—so that's basically—and you know, feel free to correct me if I'm wrong— Uh, But it Hellenized Jews, uh, essentially someone around the time of Alexander the Great. And as they conquered... From Alexander
1: the Great up until about 170, 160 in that area uh, BCE. And uh, so that's the time where this Hellenization, you know, the Greeks took over the world. And just like every place else where people take over the people of the land start looking and going, hey, if we just act like them, they won't be as mean to us. If we look like them, Mm -hmm. nobody will know that we're the we're different. If we just, you know, we can accept some of what they're doing and and we'll just continue, you know, doing what we do as far as faith within the 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 culture of the people that surround us.
2: And it's hard not to assimilate. That's in our that's in our nature. We're we're social beings and we have the desire to assimil to assimilate essentially and you know the Bible says don't <laughs> which is tough yeah nobody know? yeah
1: nobody in their nobody in their own flesh or their own being wants to not be uh part of the group that nobody wants yep. to be the other one.
0: maybe I missed it so if I did I apologize but when did this event take place the 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 civil war you mentioned um thinking it it's between the, what do you call it, the inner Testament period? It's after yeah. the Old Testament, but before the New Testament. Right. Because, right. like you
2: said, it's, it's not in that
1: period of time, time where, and again, this is so funny and contrary to what you hear in much of Christianity, is that um, this whole event happened and God showed himself powerful, and all this is happening during this 400 years of silence. Hmm. Or in the time where if you read if you listen to Bible scholars, there was basically silence between God and his people for four hundred years between the, uh, the the Book of Malachi and then the Book of Matthew. But these events took place right in that time. These miraculous things that happened were taking place during that period of time.
2: Well, what I find interesting is how many feasts and it might be all of them. I'm, I'm not positive, but most of the feasts that you see in the Old Testament are eight days, aren't they?
1: Well, that- there's the Passover, which is eight days if you include the day of preparation. Sukkot is also eight days if you include the the day uh, the the Hoshana Rabbah and uh, Shemini Atzeret, the the eighth day. And so, yeah, there there are a lot of eight day feasts.
2: That's pretty. I just, I just think that's kind of just kind of an interesting, noteworthy uh, that you know, the, the feast of dedication ends up being eight days, the, uh, the oil lasted for eight days, you know, I just thought right. that was interesting.
1: So again, the oil lasting that's written in the Talmud. So whether it happened or it didn't happen, the, the miracle is really not in the oil lasting for eight days, but in this small group of people driving out the Greek army not assimilating, and reading yeah. the That's cool. So, uh, yeah, but I mean I I believe the oil thing happened. I'm just saying that's not in the Bible, so I'm I'm less dogmatic <laughs> about it. Right. <laughs> so, and then so on Hanukkah we light the menorah. Um and uh, each night you light one, you know, start the first night with one candle plus the shamash or the servant candle and that which is what you use to light the other candles and then during the 8 days you add one more candle each day till the eight days are done. Um, and it's a time of, of telling the story of uh, standing up against the, uh, you know, it's a David and Goliath story. It's standing up against the the great Greek army and, and winning and uh, rededicating the temple and all the things that happened. So, and it's very much when we talk about what happened with the temple and the Greeks, because they uh, desecrated the temple. And then it had to be cleaned out. And then, of course, when we come to end time uh, scriptures and stuff, we see that it appears that there's going to be another time where there is a temple that gets uh, desecrated and mm. then has to get cleansed. Um, that happens at the end of the story also.
2: Now, you said desecrated. Uh, what, what does that mean? What like what happened? What happened well, to the it, temple? Well, from,
1: from legend and from what we hear is they, they were brought pigs in there. They were, you know, doing all the Greek uh, worship kind of stuff, which is debauchery and and things that wouldn't be allowed in the temple. So those things ultimately what happened uh, through that. And and again, there was these the temple priests had become very, um, uh, very political, and even up until the time of Messiah. You know, by the time we get to where Yeshua is at the temple, Caiaphas is a political appointee and not the actual person who should have been the priest at the temple at that time. Mm. Uh, so, and again, that was this whole assimilation thing where the Jews said, you know, the Romans said, we'll let you do this as long as you let us pick who's going to be the priest. Oh, wow. <laughs> so now it was he was of the lineage of the Levites and, and Aaron's family, but he was not the one that was supposed to be the priest at that time.
0: Gotcha. Just a lot of parallels. Are you picking that up between what's going on today and oh yeah well
2: i i think it's i think it's funny just because you know no, no no christian really thinks of hanukkah no you know and it's like oh you know they got the menorah and the dreidel and they have that song and you know whatever that's that's jews that's what they do and it's like you know one of the the worst things Christians can do is separate from our Jewish heritage. You know, if you, if you go back and you say, okay, well, Christianity only started 2000 years ago. So see, look at all the religions it's copied or whatever, you know? And, and it's like, no, we, we started out as Jewish. you like, it's, it's, we're it's Israel is what it is. You know, we've been grafted into Israel
1: yeah, absolutely, and that separation between the uh, the groups is is very destructive. Uh, God's plan was that Jew and non Jew would become one in Messiah, and Yeshua actually prayed uh, that we would be one as He and the Father are one. And there, you know, He said that nothing from the prophets or the Torah or would be done away with until uh, heaven and earth no longer existed. Right. So. It's really important, and and that's not being legalistic or dogmatic about things, but it's just saying what he said. And if, uh, if he went to the temple on the Feast of Dedication, now what he did we don't know, but he did recognize he was there, and it was clearly told to us that he was there on the Feast of Dedication. So if you're a believer in Yeshua, you should say, okay, if he did this, Should I incorporate it in some way into my faith? And should I at least learn the story so that I can then use the things that came before to keep me from making the same mistakes?
2: We can benefit—Christians, I mean, can benefit so much from— from our from our Jewish allies, our, our friends. I mean, you know, we, we've become a part of them, not the other way around. <laughs> and uh, right. I think there's a, you know, there's, there's certain theologies out there where it's like, you know, well, Israel's done away with, and now it's, you know, the church is now Israel, and you know, the old Israel just, God pretty much just gave up on them. And it's like, no, that's not what happened. What happened was that the church was established, yes, but it was through Israel, and it is Israel, and we're we're just we've been grafted in just seeing seeing that in Romans 11 we are grafted into Israel
1: uh yeah replacement theology which is what you were talking yeah. about just then uh is the result of lack of faith uh because mm-hmm. what happened was you had the Jewish people and then the non-Jewish people that joined with them in the body of believers uh those who believed in Yeshua and then at about when the uh, temple is destroyed, and then ultimately uh, Israel is is uh, overwhelmed by Rome, and, and the Jewish people are driven out of their land for a period of time. Those that were believers um, then looked and said, "Okay, we have all these prophecies that talk about Israel, but there isn't an Israel anymore. <laughs> so, so how do we look at these prophecies?" And how are these things fulfilled? And from that became the idea that the church is now the new Israel and that all of these prophecies that God gave describing Israel, the land of Israel, including the return of Yeshua to the land, uh, became either symbolic things that they kind of said, these are just esoteric thoughts. These aren't real. This isn't uh uh, stuff that's really going to happen. These are all symbolisms. Or, uh, to a big extent, Rome and the Roman Church said, Rome is now the new Israel, and all these things relate to us mm. and relate to, to here. And and that went along for years, and a lot of the early church fathers, the people that wrote these things that, we, that people still follow and look at, uh, that goes along up until... You know, the early 1900s, when Israel started the Balfour Declaration, it looks like there's going to be an Israel. And then in 1948, when Israel becomes reestablished as a nation uh, in the Jewish people's historic homeland, all of a sudden, all of that teaching about the symbolism and how this is all just analogy and, and all that becomes, wait a minute, maybe we were wrong and maybe god actually meant israel when he said israel <laughs> and and so now you have all these people that look and they say oh no the early church fathers all these brilliant people wrote that the church is israel right and uh, and and this whole idea that israel is really israel doesn't come around again until 1948 1950 in that area so we're going to go with the the church fathers rather than what god actually said which is things like Yeshua is going to return to the Mount of Olives, uh, not not to Rome, and anywhere else for that matter. So it really is a lack of, of faith in what God's Word said, and then changing it, and as we're talking about assimilating into the culture God's Word instead of us not assimilating in that way.
2: Yeah, yeah. What'd you have, Jeremy? It's your turn. My turn.
0: Well, um, the question that I've always wondered, and there may not, there may be nothing to this, but Hanukkah is always celebrated around the same time. Well, it's celebrated before Christmas because I think it starts this year. It starts on December the seventh, I believe.
1: Yeah, Hanukkah is on the twenty-fifth of Kislev.
0: So that's what Which I is ask the about Jewish, Jewish holiday calendar, and if there's yeah,
1: a- and what we what you have to remember is, and this is one of those things, people will say Hanukkah happens around Christmas, and that's kind of true, <laughs> somewhere between Thanksgiving and Christmas, right? But that's really an irrelevant statement, because we're talking about two entirely different calendars that aren't coordinated
2: right a lunar calendar versus a solar okay. that, was my, my, that right. was my question so you
1: have the jewish calendar up. which is when all of the jewish holidays or biblical holidays uh are celebrated on and then it's superimposed over a greco-roman calendar which is the calendar that is used with you know january february and so on and then we say well this happens around the same time as this uh, when those things are totally irrelevant right It's that, kind of like you know having two books written around the same time and just figuring you can put both of those books into one book <laughs> and read it as if it said something because it happened around the same
0: time. right. We talked about this a little bit uh in our Passover discussion because um we talked about how if you go by the uh our current calendar crucifixion, death on Friday, and resurrection on Sunday don't add up. But yeah,
1: you, unless you can't can count to three. Well, that, that's <laughs> true. But once
0: you filter it through a Jewish calendar, it makes perfect sense.
1: Right. Uh, so and and again, when you're looking was. at it, you have to look at it through the Jewish calendar. Right. Because that's the calendar, the Hebrew calendar, the biblical calendar, whichever way you want to call it, because that's the calendar it was actually established on.
0: Right. So, you know, my question was, and I think he's, he's touched on this, answered it, was just in a calendar sense, how does Hanukkah line up with Christmas, or how did they end up kind of being celebrated around the same time? Um, that's a
1: really good question. Ah, uh, because it's actually Hanukkah was there long before Christmas. Oh yeah. So Christmas was Christmas began being celebrated <laughs> around the time of Hanukkah, not Hanukkah around Christmas.
2: And and, and but, Christmas was done well after Jesus' birth. Oh,
1: <laughs> right, right. And and it was established. And again, we're dealing with this whole the reason Christmas is celebrated in December, uh, contrary to what some people said, is not this demonic plot to. Combine pagan holidays and all that, which all happen around the same time, but that's because calendars blend. It's not, you know, it, it's just the way it is. But it was really the difference in understanding between the the calendar, understanding the calendar, because in Judaism, there's there's five New Years, and of those, there's two main New Years. One is Rosh Hashanah, which is the New Year of Creation. And the other is right around Passover, which is the new year according to when Israel came out of Egypt. And God said, now this will be your new year. So there's the old new year and the new new year. So then if you go from those points, the birth of Messiah would happen either around the time of Passover, somewhere in that season, or the time of uh, Christmas, the 25th in that area of December depending on how you count. So it's two sides of the same dial, depending on which starting point you come at. So when they were trying to figure out when he was born based on what the Bible says, some Christian theologians counted from Rosh Hashanah time, and some counted from Passover time. And so one was the birth was around Passover season, and the other was the birth that was around December. And the one that was around December became the predominant view. Now, to say that there isn't any pagan rituals or cultural things that blended in as a part of that would be untrue, but the reasoning wasn't just so it would be on December 25th or 26th or whenever the winter uh, solstice solstice was, but it, it was based initially on counting from the Jewish holiday, just not knowing how to.
2: I think that's actually pretty common. We, we not knowing how to do the Jewish calendar. Uh, and and you know what, what a lot of people don't understand is, uh, the the calendar that we have today is different than even the calendar from, uh, 300 AD. Uh, I I forget when the, uh, I believe we're on the Gregorian calendar right now. Um, but before that, I think maybe it was like the Julian calendar and whatnot. And they, they were running by that for a while. Um, so it kind of it kind of messes with with stuff pretty good. Uh, I I just kind of a this is kind of a um just a side note. Uh Rosh Hashanah, you said it was the um uh new year for creation? Yes. Is that around October 23rd? Um it's
1: somewhere between September and October. That's funny. Depending on the calendar.
2: October 23rd, 4004 BC is when the uh when creation happened. You guys didn't know that? that's james usher that's that's uh if, if it, it just it's a little trivia um uh, his name is james usher and uh he uh and he basically he figured out in the bible basically how how far back and he and he Real. said it, it, yeah he says that the um the creation was october 23rd 4004 bc according to the gregorian calendar so he had to like change all the like, it was a it would have been nuts i it, absolutely nuts to calculate that uh just for all the different calendars that they were over the years wow. but i just i thought that was funny I, I was i was curious if that lined up i just happened to know that cuz i'm weird
1: <laughs> yeah well, well well i mean those things aren't mutually exclusive <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh so what can you tell us about, because um, I'm, I'm sure we, we've heard dreidel, 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 I made it out of clay. Um, what is a dreidel, and why did you make it out of clay, and why is there a song about it? Okay, a
1: dreidel is a little top, and on the top there are four letters, uh, which stand for, if you're outside of Israel, the four letters mean a great miracle happened there. If you're inside of Israel, it's the letters are uh, a great miracle happened here. And it's just a spinning top, and it's played by kids and uh, for gold coins and different things. But the the reason the game is played really is Really quick, that dorm- what
2: did you mean outside of Israel versus inside of Israel? Did you mean like the okay. location? If
1: you live in Israel, your dreidel will have a pay on it
2: okay. for
1: for here, the word here. And if you're outside of Israel, anywhere outside of the land of Israel, the nation Israel your dreidel will say there instead of here.
2: Oh, cool. <laughs>
1: because if you're playing in Israel, the, the miracle happened there, so it would right. have to say here, not there. Cool. But in the United States, we look and say a great miracle happened there, talking about Israel. So right. huh. anyhow, the, the game was is, is legend and history, and all that tells us that when the Greeks forbid the study of Torah and such, the... People, The teachers would take their children out and they would be in caves in different places and they would be studying their scriptures and their, their uh, lessons. And then if the Roman soldiers came around, they'd hide all their books and they'd pull out games and play games. Huh. And so one of the games was a top game, which ended up becoming the dreidel. So the the dreidel is a remnant of uh, a reminder that uh, there was a time when we had to hide what we were doing
0: cool okay (laughs) so um, why is Hanukkah celebrated as a festival when it's not one that's commanded in Scripture you know God gives commands for things like the Passover Um, you see things command like there's a supposed to be a year of Jubilee for the land to rest and other festivals that are commanded in Scripture but this one's not um, so why, why is it an important celebration?
1: Okay, that's a great question, and the answer is this. There are many celebrations that we celebrate that weren't commanded by God, but are celebrations. Let me give you one example from the Bible. Uh, the Feast of Purim, or Lots, that we read about in the book of Esther. Mm-hmm. You know, the events of Esther take place, God saves the Jewish people, uh, and at the end of the book it says, from then on the Jewish people celebrated this day uh, to commemorate this happening. And so we follow that same logic that here's another case where God delivered Israel from an overwhelming force that was trying to kill them, and so we are going to, from then on, celebrate that victory. So it it doesn't make it a commanded festival, but it is an important part of our heritage and our history. And as with the book of Esther and the things that happened in Esther, they're faith builders. We look at the the fact that God over and over, you know, there's an old joke that says every Jewish holiday can be narrowed down to this. They wanted to kill us. God saved us. Let's eat. (laughs) And so, so, you know, when we look at, The Feast of Esther, we celebrate the victory of the Jews against uh, Haman and all that went on there in Persia, and there's certain foods that we eat, and we celebrate that as a community remembrance of God's deliverance of Israel. And the same thing with Hanukkah. We celebrate it in the same way we did Purim. Uh, From that day on, the Jewish people celebrate this to remember what God
0: did.
2: Cool. That was a good answer. (laughs)
0: Rabbi, back at, uh, when we had our discussion with Passover, I remember uh, just our discussion and how you just kind of brought all that together. Really, when Easter came around that weekend, or the following weekend, whenever it was, uh, it was more meaningful to me knowing how everything fit together. Is there a way that Christians can look at Hanukkah Kind of observe, or there are things that we can do. To, know, what's the word I'm looking for? This is not coming out right.
1: Yeah, I get your. I'll let you figure that out, and you can record the question later. <laughs> okay, and <laughs> I'll just you. answer
2: I I it. Answer the question yeah. that you don't even I'll know. I'll just yeah. answer the question.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. The as believers, um, Hanukkah is the feast of dedication, and it's a feast of rededication after a battle against assimilation or becoming worldly or becoming like the world around you. At, at this time of year, many believers are also preparing to celebrate the birth of Messiah. And we're leading up to that. And unfortunately, the celebration of the birth of Messiah has also become a very assimilated form of uh, celebration, yes. where gifts are over. Much more important to many people than actual the birth of Messiah, that Santa Claus has become a central figure, and uh, all of these things—the the the, the uh, Rudolph the Red Nose re- Reindeer and and all of that that went on—and we should be like looking at this and saying, okay, as we go into this season, if we're going to celebrate the birth of Messiah at this time, should we do it? From after, you know, looking at this, okay, God gave us this time to rededicate ourselves to uh, fight against assimilation, to get back on the right path, to become more culturally biblical, and then we go just a couple of days later, we go into a holiday where we have to really fight against the same assimilation that the Maccabees were just fighting against. So I think that we can look at it and say— this is an opportunity for us to get our hearts to pray, maybe to fast, maybe to seek the Lord about have I allowed the world to seep into my life uh to a place where it's doing damage to my faith, to my witness to my testimony uh before we actually enter the season to where you would celebrate the birth of Yeshua
2: you know um well the kind of the overgoing theme here is you know uh it's a de- it's dedication to de- be dedicated to your faith and not somebody else's and not assimilating i mean that how how awesome is that and how uh, much christians need that right now because we're bad about assimilating and just you know we're just a part of the group again and and we we have a very hard time of keeping ourselves separate from the rest of the world um, yeah you know it's interesting
1: you know, that Not only do Christians and believers have a hard time not assimilating, but we fight against assimilating in certain ways where we shouldn't, and we don't in ways that we should. (laughs) Uh, Let me give you an example historically. Um, You know, they didn't have any music in worship, and then came the harpsichord. So they had the harpsichord, and the believers didn't allow the harpsichord in because it was too worldly. (laughs) And then they went from that to the organ and, or the, the organ, the piano. Uh, Then we get to radio and people didn't want to be on the radio because it was too worldly. And then the movies came out and then movies were too worldly, but radio was okay. (laughs) And then television came out and television was too worldly, but movies were okay and so on. So when it comes to like technology and, and certain things like clothes and different things that, that, Don't change our faith. Like you can wear modest clothing that's just as modern as anything, you know, anything else and still hold your faith. Right. But then there are other things that we let creep into our worship and into what we're doing that we should have no part of. And we don't fight those things at all. We just allow those things to come in uh, without any concern or worry.
2: Well, you know, something that I've noticed in, in Christianity and um, working in youth ministry uh, for so long, yeah. I know that for me, I spent a lot of my time, and it was it was expected to spend my time figuring out how—no way you would say this, but it was almost like, how can you make youth ministry more worldly, you know? Let, let's do fifth quarters, you know, let's, um, let's do these different kinds of parties or whatever, but they're Christian, you know, and it's like, we, we try to make copies upward basketball, you know, and we, we try to compete with the world. And, you know, now upward basketball isn't doing as well as it used to simply because of fall ball sports, you know, they, they've got sports where, you know, they'll, they'll play volleyball year-round they'll play basketball year-round and it's incredibly competitive and the church just continues to try to copy the world to try to get people to come into their doors and that's not what we need to be doing we need to be different we need to show that we're different like why would i go to this church to play basketball when i could just stay at my school and play basketball you know what's 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 the point we Right. Stop offering basketball. I mean, there's nothing wrong with it. I mean, you could do it and it'd be fine. But Yeah, smoke and, smoke and and
1: lights and all the things that make a bar or a disco. I guess they don't have discos anymore, but <laughs> whatever, wherever people go to dance nowadays, um, you know, they, they try to have that in the synagogue or the church or wherever, because I'm not just going to bash Christianity <laughs> here today. That's, that's not the purpose. Uh, but— you know, we try to bring those in the same thing. I cannot tell you how many churches I've gone to, to teach. And when they were giving me the tour of the building, you go to their youth center and they have these huge big screen TVs. So the kids can play video games. Right. And, and I'm look, I'm not against video games. What I'm saying is, is, is that church? Is that worship? Is that what we're supposed to be doing at, uh, during that time? Or are we supposed to be t- telling the kids how to worship and how to love God and about the things of God and those kind of things? Well, unfortunately, you know, what and, you see
2: in a lot of these churches is you see people, you see us trying to copy the world and say, hey, hey, come worship with us. Hey, world, come worship with us. We're just like you, you know, and, and that's not what we should be doing. Number one, the, the church is for believers, not unbelievers. But unfortunately, you have a lot of these churches that it's like, you know, outreach is how many people can I get? I want butts and seats. I want people to sit in these pews and and be a part of the worship service. And they they give a gospel presentation every single Sunday, you know. And instead of actually deepening the faith of their congregation, like they don't they don't look into scripture, they don't really dig deep or anything. They just kind of scratch the surface of everything, and then you know, dress it up sort of like the world so that worldly people will be attracted to it. And that's not what we need to be doing with the gospel.
1: Yeah, it's, you know, I get people all the time that tell me in my realm, which which Messianic Judaism, we actually do Hebrew liturgy and, and traditional Torah service and things like that as part of our service. And I'll listen to leaders say, Oh, if if you do those things, you know you have a lot of liturgy, a lot of Hebrew, a lot of. You're not going to get young people. You're not going to get families. You're not going, you know, the old people will come because that's the way the old people worship. Mm. I guess in church it would be, you can't just do hymns because that's just going to get you old people. You got to have modern stuff to get young people. But the truth is, if you disciple people, Mm. if you bring people in, if you bring people in and actually teach them and to love God and the things of God then you'll have young people. We have young people, we have young families. matter of fact, our, our exactly. biggest part of our congregation is young families. Uh, so, I mean, we do have older people too, and, and you know, so... But it, it's consistently discipling. It's teaching people how to live for God and making that the focal point, not keeping people in the building or even getting people in the building, Right. but teaching the ones that are in the building... Uh, to worship because if if they experience the power of God, then it's that that's so much more motivating to live for God than video games.
2: Well, and you know movies. it's that it's that age old, how you get them there is how you're going to have to keep them there. If you got them there with pizza and video games, that's what they're coming for. They're not coming for the gospel. And you know, everywhere that I've been, I've gotten pushback on this of you know teaching too deep. You know, I, 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 I challenge the youth too much and, um, you know, I, I've never, I, I've never faltered on that. I'm like, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm sorry. I'm not going to pander to show worldly things. And you know what? I've had decent sized youth groups. I've had youth groups that have grown, uh, not just spiritually, but in numbers, Simply from teaching the Bible, not because, oh, we had a really cool band or, you know, we, we played video games on Wednesday nights. You know, a lot of youth ministry is, you know, a 15 minute lesson and 45 minutes to maybe even an hour of playing games and stuff. And it's just like you're setting them up to fail because guess what? They turn 18 years old. They graduate high school and they join the rest of the church. Most churches don't have college ministries. And guess what? They go in and they're like, well, wait, we're not going to play any games on Sunday morning? I'm like, what's this prayer meeting? Where's the pizza? Where's the snacks? You know, <laughs> uh, they, they, get, they come into a rude awakening because they, don't, they, they, they have a, a disconnect between youth ministry and adult ministry, and that becomes a problem. And again, it's that it's the same mindset of the assimilation of you know, Hanukkah, man, (laughs) like I'm I'm all about it now. Like I had no idea it was about assimilation. I had no clue. So that's, that's fantastic. I really
0: like what, um, what you said earlier, Rabbi, about, uh, as believers, we can take those eight days to uh, rededicate ourselves before we get into the, the main Christmas season and, you know, take eight days to prepare our hearts to remember what the season is all about
1: um, Yeah, and if we do that uh, and I say if we I don't do uh-huh. Christmas at all, but uh, But that's not condemning it. It's just not part of my culture, right? If you're going to do Christmas if, if it's really about the birth of Yeshua, if it's really about that Happening if it's really about God coming to earth Then maybe taking that eight days to consider what you're going to do in the celebration of the birth of Messiah and what you're not, what actually adds to that story and what actually detracts and, de- and de- t- takes away from it.
2: Yeah, excellent. Did
0: you have any more questions? You said well, you had some. He, he touched on it just a second. One of the things I was going to ask is, as a Messianic Jew, you said you don't celebrate Christmas, that that's not part of your... Uh, culture. Culture. So... What does holiday season look like for for a Messianic family? Okay, well, what we have is
1: in September, October, we do Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur and then Sukkot. And I actually believe that Yeshua was born during Sukkot. So that's when we celebrate the birth of Messiah as part of that feast uh, included in that. So then it goes to, you know, secular Thanksgiving, and then we do Hanukkah, uh, rededicating ourselves as we go into. And, and again, one of the things we don't think about is that Hanukkah begins right at the point where the days are getting darker and darker and darker. Mm. So it's like rededicating yourself before it, the dark comes and so that you can have the strength to go through until the light comes again, which doesn't happen until the springtime. So, you know, it really is a time where there is a break between festivals and festivals where you actually have to live off of your faith and what you have experienced as you go through that season because there aren't, you know, we have Purim, as I said, which is not a commanded feast, uh, and, but we really don't have any other festivals that go from uh, Sukkot until Passover except for the Hanukkah celebration and the Purim celebration, which are both extra biblical, but they're both about not assimilating and being strong in your faith in a dark place, hmm. which again leads us right back to where we are today, where it, how can we fight the darkness if there's no light?
2: Yeah. Well, and you know, that brings up an excellent point. You know, there's <laughs> there's so many Jewish feasts that we see in the Old Testament that and I and I call them Jewish feasts, but but really they're 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 Christian just as much as they're Jewish. Uh, well, they should be, and and maybe we'll do this one day, Rabbi. But uh, each one of those festivals isn't just uh, or or feast is not just to remember something. That happened in the Old Testament or something that happened in the past, but it's something for us to remember so that we can, you know, push forward now. So, okay, the the feast feast of dedication, you know, don't assimilate. Like, you see that and you're you're celebrating the past of that that awesome miracle that happened, but you're also reminding yourself, hey, I'm not going to assimilate. You know, um, and then same thing with with Passover. You know, sins are passed over us. You know, I think I think um, I think w- w- you and I had a conversation several years ago. Um, uh, I may be misremembering, but I think you might have told me that uh, at the time the the Jews kind of thought that the Messiah might come on Yom Kippur, Yom Kippur, because that was the day of atonement, and that he would atone with his w- for our sins. Uh, was was that you, or did, am I misremembering that?
1: That that was somebody else. But it is true that there there's different times that the Jews, for instance, like you said, Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, that would make sense that if the if Yeshua the Messiah was going to atone for Israel, that it might happen on that day. So so it is actually is definitely something that's within the realm of Jewish thought uh, at that time.
0: Cool. Anything else? I think all my questions. Are
2: Is there answered. any questions that we should ask? <laughs>
0: yeah. Is there anything that you've been sitting there going, "Why are they not asking me this"? No, not really. Let me think for a minute.
2: Oh wait, I got, I got one. Here we go. Here we go. Back, serious, serious question. Oh, yeah. <laughs> What's up with the different spellings of Hanukkah?
1: Okay, That's because you question. can't misspell transliteration, and because there's Hanukkah starts with a letter, and we don't have a letter in English. I'm
2: sorry, I, uh, is that is that what you're saying?
1: Yeah, it's that guttural. You know, like like the I, I have a cold and I have to spit at someone. <laughs> so, so it you know it's Hanukkah. It's not Hanukkah with an H. It's Hanukkah with that guttural. It's Hanukkah. Uh, you know, strong sound. So because we don't have those letters, you can spell it C H or you can spell it H and then the rest of it just has to come out with eight letters.
2: <laughs> oh it's really just eight letters? Is that what it is? Yeah, it's oh, that's it's funny. eight letters.
1: Uh, so you can spell it with C H U N A K or you know, but just have to have eight letters. Wait so a minute. You can have two K's. You can have two ends. You can have, but the <laughs> the end result has to be a total of eight letters. Yeah. So
2: so really nothing matters except for the beginning.
1: <laughs> right. It's you know, and it's got to say Hanukkah when you're done. Yeah.
2: <laughs> so wait a minute. You said it's got to be eight letters. What about in Hebrew? Yeah. In Hebrew, it's only three letters. Okay, because uh, the the other five vowels are just. Assumed. Or four letters, rather. But the others are... There's no
1: vowels. So it's just consonants.
2: <laughs> no vowels? Yeah, they don't have vowels in Hebrew. We added them. Wow. Yeah. That's why... Oh, I'd man. i like to see the Hebrew edition of Wheel of Fortune. I, I, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Every Jew in the world is like, I want a vowel. <laughs> I'd like to buy a vowel, please.
2: <laughs> no vowels for you. Uh, <laughs> um... Oh, what was I going to say about that? Oh, yeah. I got one for you. It has nothing to do with Hanukkah, but it has everything to do with vowels. Okay. I would like you to explain, if you don't mind, uh, the Yahweh, the Y-H-W-H that we see. There are some people that say, oh, it's about breath because it's the W-H, which is the W sound and the H sound and yeah, uh, you know, or or, they, or I've heard that, you know, um, they didn't want to say the name of God because they didn't want to uh, say his name in vain. So they took out the vowels. Uh, <laughs> uh, if you could shed some light on that, I'd appreciate that.
1: Yeah. Well, first of all, there weren't vowels. In the, if you look at a Torah scroll, there's no vowels. It's just consonants. So, and that's the way it was written. And before that it was written in paleo Hebrew, which also didn't have vowels. So, uh, so it doesn't have anything to do with hiding the vowels. The vowels were put in so that people, you know, in the diaspora when Israel was scattered around the nations, they wanted them to be able to say things the right way. So they added vowels so everybody would pronounce the words the same way. And if and, so if, you, like and if you look at the Hebrew,
2: out. it'll have like little dots and underlines that have been added. That that's that, those are the right. vowels.
1: Those are the vowel points. They're called Nicodem in Hebrew.
2: Oh, that's it's much better. For
1: singular Nicodem for plural. But they're vowel points, that's what they are. And so you have those so that people will all say the words the same way, no matter where in the world they're learning uh, and studying. But as far as the name, uh, there were no vowels to begin with. We don't know how to say the name uh, that is spelled yod heh in Hebrew or uh, Y-H-V-H. Yeah,
2: yeah, Y-H-W-H or Y-H-V-H.
1: Yeah, and it's a V, not a W. But that's another sure. argument people come right. up with why it was, you know, <laughs> in ancient times it was a W, but now it's a Vav, and it just either
2: looked, way, it's not it, 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 it's it's not because they didn't want to say his name. It's they just right, didn't it's have not vowels. because they
1: didn't want to say his name. Now we don't spell his name out in a with vowels. Now uh, we use the vowels for the word Adonai, which is Lord, so that somebody doesn't pronounce it. Uh, because of the reverence for the name. But that's not something that, uh, I mean, didn't have vowels before, so it wasn't done for that. Right. (laughs) Um, So, but we have to remember, like, people say it's Jehovah. Well, there was no J in Hebrew or English. Right. Uh, So it can't be Jehovah, just like it can't be Jesus. And that's not being mean, it's just being literal. Right. Right. so so it's not that and it doesn't have anything to do with the breath like we breathe in we breathe out that's a ridiculous it's it sounds really cool in a message but it's not accurate.
2: Yeah don't don't make don't make up stuff like please don't there's so many people that just see stuff and they they have no education whatsoever and they just make up. Yeah they get their PhD
1: from MSU. They pile it higher and deeper by making stuff up. Right.
2: That's so, hilarious.
1: So anyhow, but it it doesn't have anything to it. It it may actually be an acronym for "Who was, Who is, and is to come." uh, The the Hebrew words for that. That's cool. Uh, So it it may be that, uh, but we we don't even know that for true. Uh, It's just the the name that God gave to Moses, and He said, uh, "This name means something that nobody else before you knew it meant or knew uh, me by." You know, before that, Abraham knew him as uh, the Lord who provides, uh, you know, and different names. And so each—the problem is that we in America and some of the rest of the world, we think that when the Bible says, do this in my name, that it means, like, if you pray in the name of Jesus— that saying jesus is the magical word like abracadabra right. or presto chango <laughs> or shazam right and and that's witchcraft if you think you can say a word and that word brings a result that's witchcraft that's not prayer
2: exactly and that's kind of like, that's that's one of the things that i've actually discussed about you know when it says by no other name are we are by no other name are we, we are saved we're saved by the name of jesus that does not mean you have to literally know his name uh it but but that is that, that that's the object of where we are right, saved. What, it,
1: what, what we say the name of and and it used to be for instance if i were talking about you to somebody just 100 years ago if i wanted to say the best thing i could say about you i would say wes has got a good name in the community ah oh. And that doesn't mean that West, the name West is a good name. I'm not saying it's not, but it's, that's not what I'm saying. It means that your character is well known in the community, that you do what you say, that you are, uh, you are, um, consistent in how you do your your character, who you are is what you say you are. Exactly. That your word is your bond.
2: Exactly. And so
1: what it says do this in the name of Yeshua or Jesus, it's not saying, say this word. Right. Because when you say this word, uh, you know, lightning's going to flash, thunder's (laughs) going to roar, light, you know, all this is going to happen and suddenly you're going to get healed. But we do it in that name. We do it because of what he did, because of who he was, because we're we're saying in perfect faith, I believe that he is who he said he was. And uh, so when it talks about, speaking in the name of God or using his name. It's not talking about using any kind of spelling of his name or pronunciation. It's saying, God is my provider. God is my peace. God is my shield. God is, you know, all the things that God said he was, that when we say that, and then when you get to that name where, uh, you know, God shows this to Moses and he says, I'm going to go in this mountain, and you're going to see my hinder parts, it's not saying that God is showing Moses his butt. (laughs) It's because Moses wrote Genesis, but he wasn't there. Right. So God said, I'm going to show you my past Mm. so you can write it. Interesting. And Moses also saw the future. So he knew God as the one who is, the one who was, and the one who will be. In a way that no other human being at that point, and maybe not since that point, did. That's cool. So it, it doesn't have, so all of the spellings and all of the pronunciations and all of the goofiness that you see on the internet is really just goofiness that you see on the internet. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, and it's really, uh, it, it's really important to know that when it talks about, you know, do this in a name or say or speak in my name or whatever, it's saying that. And when the Bible talks about speaking, it's not talking about talking. Right. It's talking about living. You know, when we read in the New Testament, let your conversation be a-and-amen, it, it says, let let how you live mm. say yes to what my word says. Which has People should be able to look at you and see
2: God. And that has so much more depth than what you would you know, say in a magic name. You know, I've I've had people come up to me and say, you know, what's the name of God or whatever, and and it's like, it's mostly just you know, correct me if I'm wrong. Descriptions other than I would say when he when he directs himself as I am, which honestly is my favorite, um, I guess name of God. Uh, you know, shed light on that if you, if you want to, but um, I just know that you know Jesus. There's a point in in John's gospel, uh, he writes it, but there's a point where the Roman cohort, all these Roman cohorts, like 700 people, are out to arrest Jesus, and they say, are you Jesus, um, the Nazareth, or whatever? And he goes, I am he, and they all fall down. I'm just like, yeah, Jesus! You know, that's totally cool, man. Uh, Just the whole I am thing, so... uh, yeah, like, that's
1: that's one of the cool names, and 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 it's so many things. But it, it's funny because when people talk about and and this isn't as much in the Christian world as it in the Messianic world, where the name you have these people that are sacred namers and this and that. And mm. if you don't say it the right way, it's not going <laughs> to accomplish anything. Right. And he's not going to listen to you and all that. When when you know God says in one place, "My name is Jealous." Ah. Uh. But I've never heard one person say, if you don't pray in the name of jealous,
2: Yeah, right.
1: You know, and the other thing is, I absolutely fundamentally believe God is smart. (laughs) And so if you're driving down the road and a truck pulls in front of you and you holler, Jesus, save me. I think God knows who you're talking to and what you're talking about. And he's not sitting up there going, ha-ha, wrong name, you know, <laughs> that's, that's so against his character and his nature and what his name actually is.
2: Well, you, know, you I've, know, I've heard people say, like, you know, if you just say, you know, dear Lord or God, and they're like, well, how do you know you're not praying to Muhammad or Allah? And I'm like, because yeah, I'm I answer not. that with the same
1: way when, when I'm praying over my meal and someone says, did you pray? And I say, yes. And they said, I didn't hear you. So I wasn't talking to you.
2: <laughs> That's right. And I wasn't talking to you. So That's good.
1: <laughs> I was talking to you. So, so if someone says, well, how do, how do you know you're not praying? Well, cause I know who I'm praying to. Right. And, and he knows who I'm praying to and he's smarter than you and me together. So I think he can figure this out. Preach. <laughs> so, I mean, it's just, to me, it's just, it, it's ways to divide people. Oh yeah. And, and I think it's just ridiculous. It's hurtful.
2: Well, and it's, it, it doesn't benefit anything. Like you said, it just divides. And, you know, any time that we're adding some theology that just divides and it doesn't exhort anything, why, why are you doing that? Right, w- exactly. And
1: to? And the truth is that there are enough things that the Bible actually says that we should be concerned about
2: oh yeah there's plenty more that, things
1: <laughs> that, that, the things that are so inconsequential and divisive and hurtful aren't necessary you know there are certain things like believing in the virgin birth okay that that's significant that's something that if someone says they don't believe in there's an right. issue gotta have that right but when it comes to things like um you know what is men's clothes and what's women's clothes I, I think that we can. I think that in the United States we can figure this out. And if we if we lived in uh, Scotland, it would be a different answer, or certain parts of Africa, or you know th- those answers would be different. And I think we can deal with that for sure. Uh, but, but I don't think we have to argue about that. I think that we you know modesty. What is modest? I think modest is pretty uh, pretty easy to understand. Definitely. Uh, so, uh but the 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 way we do things is is divisive and and more congregations get torn apart mm. by things the Bible doesn't say than by what it does say.
2: No kidding. Wow. That's good.
0: Jeremy, did you have anything else? No, I'm I'm good. So,
2: all right. Well, Rabbi, we've we've really enjoyed having you on. Uh, it's just a pleasure as always. I just like to hear him talk. So. Yeah, me too. Um, especially when he uses drops some of those Yiddish words. Uh.
0: <laughs> I knew what kibosh was.
2: I didn't know kibosh. Uh, man.